Uh, welcome everybody to the very auspicious occasion of the Christmas satsang. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we try to not just have the superficial understanding of Christmas, but the profound and deep meaning, which is to watch Manahar do his thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it every year. <laughs> That's wonderful. <clears throat> so I'd like to begin by, uh, as uh, as my guru Baba Muktananda always did, by saying in Hindi, "Sabko varasan mane kesat premseyadik swagat." With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And this was Baba's saying and Baba's way, and it was also Jesus' way. Jesus taught the path of love and forgiveness, and all the great beings teach us that, to rise above ourselves, above the ego, and to know the higher truth, the self, the soul, supreme consciousness, however you term it. There is a higher truth. Normally, we don't know about that uh, early in our life, and then eventually, we learn about that, and then we make every effort to attain that. And the great beings are those that are the greatest aid to attaining that highest truth. And so when we talk about celebrating Christmas, to me it's the celebration of not only Jesus, but of all the great beings. And the essence of what the great beings give is a connection to the divine, a connection to consciousness. and they represent both a model and also uh, an awakening. And what the great gurus, the great yogis, the great sages, the avatars, uh, the founders of all the religions and so on, what they have in common is a great closeness to God. And when you're around beings like that, you connect with that great power and that great awakening can happen. So in, uh, in honor of that, uh, remembering all the great beings, remembering Jesus. Bobby used to say that on Christmas, the whole, on the day a, a saint is born, the whole earth rejoices. And so it's a, it's a matter of great wonder. The Bhagavad Gita says that whenever, uh, you know, people get to a low ebb, when, um, uh, when weird people are, uh, running governments, and uh, there's a lot of enmity and hatred and warfare and disease and pestilence. Uh, an incarnation of God is born to get people to know the self and to lift them up to the highest. So we're celebrating that, that possibility. And it's never that God forgets about us. There's always that possibility, and there are always great beings around on earth all the time, not just once in a a great while. So we celebrate that possibility today when we celebrate Jesus. And so I was thinking about it, and um, I'm going to celebrate my personal savior, and that is Santa Claus. <laughs> and Bobby used to celebrate. Chris, isn't that adorable? Uh, we have, what else do we have? Another Christmas. Oh, this is... Uh, uh, Santa came to uh, Ganeshpuri. 
uh, and he got Shaktipat. Uh, and uh, we have another one? One more? Well, well, it blew out. <coughs> you gave away my last next thing. Technical, technological difficulties. Okay, this, uh, what do we see here? I can't, I can't make it out. <laughs> anyway, Christmas in Ganeshpuri. It's a very nice time of year in, uh, in India. It's a beautiful time of year. And we used to celebrate and Baba put up with it. <clears throat> now, so recently uh, I've been poking around in, in some of the old uh, publications that I have. And uh, I think uh, this one, was it, uh, uh, was it, um, who is it that found the one I'm going to do, Hari Prasad? Ah, that's right, I couldn't remember for a minute. <clears throat> Swami Paramananda found this piece from a Gurudevani. Gurudevani is the uh, magazine of Siddha Yoga that, um, that Amma created. It began in 1964, and every year it was published on Guru Purnima. And uh, what's going on there? You fixed it? You fixed it. It's fixing it. Okay. Well, wait a minute. <clears throat> Not yet. <laughs> and so, um, so she found a wonderful piece, uh, and I remember it. <clears throat> uh, and it's all about Shaktipat and the awakening, and it's uh, uh, interesting. And it's uh, a piece by a Brahmin named Hari Prasad Vyas. And I looked all around um, whatever photographs I had in all the archives. I couldn't find a photograph of him. He was around the ashram all the time in my day. Uh, <clears throat> But I used to always think he looked like the American actor. Do we have a shot of that? He looked like the American actor James Coburn, who none of you probably remember. But uh, so I couldn't find a picture of Hari Prasad Yas, but I could find a picture of James Coburn. So here we go. <laughs> so this will have to represent the Brahmin Hari Prasad Vyas. <laughs> Very good looking fellow he was. <clears throat> um, now, Hari Prasad Vyas didn't speak any English, so one didn't uh, get to talk to him like he did to ma many of the uh, old-time ashramites spoke English, and so I had a lot of conversation. But I did have one interesting, you can put James Coburn away. Do you remember him? Any of you? And who remembers him? Anybody? Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> Very good. <clears throat> anyway, he, um, uh, so Vyas was also, he was a Brahmin priest, and um, he, uh, he was also an astrologer. And he's the fellow that Baba one day said to me, you should have a reading. 
which is like not like Baba at all. <clears throat> and um, I and he says you go to Vyas and uh, get a reading. So I thought all my antennae were up. What the hell? <clears throat> I said there's going to be a message for me in this reading. And Vyas through a translator gave me this whole reading, and I'm listening. Is that the message? No. That. And then he said something, and I knew that was the message. And uh, so that was what happened. You want to know the message, don't you? <laughs> I've said it before, haven't I? I think I've told the story. <clears throat> but he said, um, uh, he said to me, he said, you'll, you'll have uh, very good uh, vairagya if you live in the ashram. It means, uh, which meant to me, Baba wants me to live in the ashram. And he, he, I think he was already planning the future, and he was saying, I don't want you going back to your academic career, but I want you to stay involved in this work. And this, I got some message like that from it. And um, Baba says, it was good reading? I said, yes, Baba. Uh, but anyway, this is, uh, I discovered, I remember reading this years ago, uh, and I was interested to read about him. Uh, this is about his awakening. Uh, so here we go. From Gurudevani, 1967, quite a few years before I got there. Uh, he writes, the epigraph is from the Katha Upanishad. It says, the self cannot be attained by discourses, nor through cleverness, nor by much learning. It is only attained by whom it chooses. To such a one, it reveals its own form. And so one of the themes is about the proud Brahmin. Uh, it's sort of an archetype. The proud Brahmin uh, um, gets humbled and attains God. That, that um, It's the vice of the great Brahmins is that they have pride and they think they know everything, uh, but they don't actually experience God. And then, so this is what happens. This sometimes happens like that. Anyways, Vyas writes, I was always fond of academic discussions, <clears throat> and this penchant, we say, penchant, for argument was further nourished when I took the degree of Vedantacharya in Varanasi. So to be a Vedantacharya is a really big deal. It's like PhD in Vedanta. <clears throat> it's very easy to get a PhD in Vedanta. Everything's an illusion. Very good, you passed your orals. <laughs> uh, I have also visited all the holy, I had also visited the, all the holy places from Kanyakumari to the Himalayas, and I've met many sadhus and sannyasins. I respect them as a class, but my insatiable thirst for knowledge always made me argue with them on philosophical themes. My questions sometimes non plus them, and this added to my pride in my ability to put forth difficult premises. So he's caught in the intellectual pride. <clears throat> I was expert at the game, and I'd never bowed before anyone till the afternoon of November 22nd, 1965, when I was myself silenced for the first time and my head bowed in veneration. That November afternoon marked a turning point in my life. Good, huh? I love it. 
It so happened that a friend of mine informed me that Swami Muktananda Paramahansa of Ganeshpuri had come to Hyderabad and that he was the honored guest at Muktashram, name of the house, the residence of our friend Sri Pravin Modi. Now, I traveled to Hyderabad years <coughs> later with, with Baba, and we stayed at uh, Pravin Bhai Modi. Pravin Bhai Modi was a wealthy industrialist, and uh, he did a lot of seva. In fact, I think he built some of the buildings in the ashram and so on. So, um, But anyway, he also said that if I so desired, we might go and meet him. I readily agreed to this because sometime back I'd read an inspiring article on Baba in a magazine, uh, Bharati. We soon reached Muktasram and were ushered into the to a room. As is my nature, I bowed from a distance to the Swami who was sitting there on a the sofa and I sat in a corner. I'd imagined Swami Muktananda to be some heavily built old sannyasin, probably resting in some inner room. But the individuals before me was lithe and attractive. He had an irresistible charm which drew me closer to him in an instant. I got up from where I was sitting and sat near him. After a little introductory talk, I realized that the wonderful and divinely attractive person was Swami Muktananda himself. His apparent simplicity seemed to cover his rare abilities to see through and size up a visitor in no time. I was therefore eager to know the depth of his personality and also respectfully asked him whether I could ask him some questions. He willingly agreed. The following conversation took place. <clears throat> Hari Prasad Vyas. We find that even Sri Ram and Sri Krishna were the incarnations of God and were not free from the laws of karma. Even God cannot escape the fruits of good and bad actions if so, then who is superior, God or karma? That's his question. That's a smart-ass question. <clears throat> Baba, there's no question of being superior or inferior. In this, in this case, what we see as being suffered by an avatar is only his way of following his own discipline. See, when avatars are born and they have to, when Jesus has to go through a thing. He's following his own discipline, he's saying. In fact, God is almighty. <clears throat> he can do and undo things or even change them against all sets of laws. But he sets an example by himself obeying his own discipline, which is enjoined to others. It comes under the law of cause and effect. Yes. Is it possible to reach or see other worlds described in the scriptures? like Satcha-loka, Indra-loka, Chandra-loka, etc., with this physical body uh, bound to the earth. These are higher worlds, like uh, Satcha-loka is what Baba would call Siddha-loka, the world of truth, where the great beings are. Uh, Indra-loka is the, the world of Indra, where if you behave well, you go and have lots of pleasures there. Then you're thrown back out into this world. <coughs> You really, the place you really want to be is uh, Siddhaloka. Uh, then Chandraloka is the world of the moon, which is made of green cheese. <laughs> Baba. <clears throat> yes, a yogi can go anywhere. That is, he can see any world he likes. And this has been 
confirmed in the scriptures. And Baba quotes the scripture saying, uh, all the planets and everything are situated within the body. And when one knows them, one attains all powers. <clears throat> Vyas, interruptingly. Maybe a yogi is able to reach the moon, but the present-day scientists who are busy trying to send man to the moon, this was before the moonwalk, <clears throat> are not ready to accept the subtle and inexplicable experiences of a yogi. How to convince them? They want some rational explanation. <clears throat> Baba. They can understand a yogi only if they're spiritually as much developed as they are physically prepared to reach the moon. Baba's good answer. That they can't, you can't explain it to them unless they're open to it spiritually. <clears throat> These days, people in general seem to love asking thousands of questions without being willing to make efforts to reach the goal. This is just idle talk. After a little silence, I became inspired to ask him a question which I'd never asked before to anyone else. So now we're getting to the, the crux of it. And by the way, <clears throat> um, as uh, Manohar said, um, you know, well, he didn't say this, but every, every, every seven years, <laughs> you are that. <laughs> every, every seven years, uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's falls on Saturday. And we always have satsang on Saturday. So this year, we're not going to have uh, a satsang on the next two. So it's three weeks till the next satsang, which will also be the beginning of, of the retreat. So <clears throat> there's, uh, no one should have to go three weeks without satsang. So for sure, we're going to have a program on Thursday nights. We have meditation here. And if the weather is good, We'll have some outdoor uh, program, but you have to, you'll get notified if you give your, your uh, contact details, we'll notify you, we'll do some programs. And I probably won't get through this whole dialogue, so I'll finish that probably sometime uh, when we uh, do that. It'll probably be a Wednesday or a Thursday in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> so Vyas now asks, what is Shakt Yanupat? Shaktyanupat. Is it true and scientific or imaginary? Now, I didn't look up Shaktyanupat, but it's obviously Shaktipat. <clears throat> Baba asked me to clarify the question. I repeated my question again, add a little analogy to clarify it. Yes. Just as it's possible to carry electricity from one building to another through wires, is it possible for a genuinely illumined soul to enlighten other souls through Shaktyanupat? <clears throat> now, he's really asking the right question of the right man, isn't he? Baba said, say Shaktipat, not Shaktyanupat. <clears throat> then Baba pointed to the two or three other people sitting there. He said, see, they've received this power of Shakti about which you're inquiring. Yes, in that case, Baba, <clears throat> if you charge a dozen Brahmins with this power, the entire world would be immensely benefited. So saying, you can get the Brahmins, give them Shaktipat. Baba laughingly. Shaktipat is not the exclusive reserve of a particular community. The Shakti could be awakened in anyone, irrespective of caste, creed, color, or country. 
The attributes are of no special consideration. What matters is adhikara, or fitness. It means fitness for spirituality, readiness. <clears throat> People can be incredibly intelligent and uh, learned and advanced in many ways, but they're not ready for <clears throat> spiritual development. Another person might not have those attributes, but be ready. That's just a matter of readiness. Eventually, everyone becomes ready for the spiritual path. It's my absolute faith, <clears throat> pardon me, that everyone eventually turns to the spiritual path. If not in this life, then next life, or a thousand lives from now. Baba says, any spiritually qualified person can get or achieve it. Pointing his finger at me, he said, that very Shakti is going to envelop you. <laughs> Great moment. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> yes. I cannot even now describe the kind of joy which I experienced in my whole being at that very moment. He, he actually communicated the shakti in that moment. My face became red, as if my entire life force had rushed to my head. My mind became totally blank for a while. Baba drew other people's attention towards me and asked them to look at my face. <laughs> says, look, see? <clears throat> he then turned to me and said, initiation by whispering a mantra in the ear and similar other rituals practiced normally are mere external ceremonies observed with a view to signify an event. A deserving seeker, in fact, receives the guru's shakti without any outward ritual. You don't need a hocus pocus, you just get directly. He is automatically affected by the spiritual vibrations emanating from the guru who does not do anything willfully. It happens by God's will, naturally. <clears throat> Neither the seeker nor the guru is aware of what happens. We just seemed to be aware of what was happening, didn't it? Anyway, for the divine shakti, which is consciousness itself, works of its own accord and in its own way. Try to come here as often as possible. <laughs> yes, Baba. I'm a family man. How can I find time to come here often? Baba, it may sound paradoxical if I, as Swami, say that I'm also a family man. But it's true. I have a large family of devotees who are my own children, born out of the regenerating power of the mantra, mantra virya, received by them from me. <clears throat> my friend and I then got up to take our leave of Baba. He placed some sweets in my hand and pressed the fingers of my right hand with a very affectionate glance and gave us permission to leave. We rode our bicycles in silence. This is in Hyderabad, which is South, South India. <clears throat> Everything looked so different to me now, even though it was still the same bicycle passing the same good old Hyderabad streets. I felt that it was not me, but someone else who was pedaling the bike. It seemed as if my power of speech had suddenly undergone some change. Everything was wonderful, and my joy knew no bounds. On reaching home, I told my wife 
that I'd met a divine person that day. And, and so I was very happy. I could not even eat that night, owing to extreme joy. <clears throat> Next day, there was a reception in honor of Baba at the Secunderabad Gujarati High School, <clears throat> which I attended. It was a solar eclipse that day, and normally I would have been doing japa, as I always did during solar or lunar eclipse. But that day, this Brahmin forgot all his rituals and rushed to Secunderabad to meet Baba. There I was deeply impressed by Baba's thought-provoking discussion on the purpose of human life. After a couple of days, I went to Baba. Pointing his finger towards me, he remarked to the person sitting nearby, he drew it to himself. It has entered him. <laughs> what is he talking about? Shakti, Shakti the, the, the spiritual energy. I could not understand what was drawn or what had entered. <laughs> After a while, Baba handed over two small books for me to read and asked me to return them after reading. I read them at home that very night. The title of one was Shaktipat or Kundalini Maha Yoga. <clears throat> this is, uh, um, thanks. No, good. Thanks. <clears throat> These are, uh, Books before Play of Conscience, written by in another tradition, but a Shakti part tradition. There's one called Devatma Shakti uh, by uh, Swami Vishnu Tirth and uh, Mahayoga. <clears throat> I believe it's a book, I have a copy of this book. It's about the awakening and the different manifestations that happen and different processes. While going through its pages, I was reading a record of my own experiences. It was as if I become one with the book and I roared with laughter. The other book was Sri Sadhana Sanket, and that too I finished reading the same night. The next day, my children and my wife were frightened <laughs> by the subtle change in the family atmosphere. <clears throat> the children actually remarked that they felt a strange silence, a kind of emptiness, as if someone had died in the house. <laughs> now I realize that their feeling was correct because it was true that my old self had died and I was born anew. It was a transition period which, which I myself did not understand then. <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read half of this today. You liking this story? Yeah. It's fabulous, isn't it? My wife, who was most accommodating, uh, almost revolted against the apparent blankness that had come over me and angrily said, what sort of swami is he who disrupts people's family life? <clears throat> I could not tolerate these words, but strangely kept my peace, for I could not explain to them what had happened to me. I only said that the sadhu was no ordinary person, but a siddha yogi. I added that one rarely comes across such yogis in this world, and it was only by some merits of previous births that one was able to recognize their true nature. <clears throat> Meanwhile, my mind was all the time drawn to Baba. I was planning to see him, but my wife would not let me even leave the house.
at last on the excuse of professional work. <laughs> I left my place and went straight to Baba. <laughs> I returned the books and took my seat. I then explained to him the difficult situation created by my wife's obstinate attitude. He said, there's no cause to worry. Everything will be all right soon. Bring her here. My wife, however, would not easily agree to come. But on the following day, I somehow succeeded in persuading her to accompany me to a friend's place for Baba's darshan. <clears throat> there she heard Baba talk on bhakti, devotion, and was profoundly impressed by his soul-stirring speech and awe-inspiring personality. She saw the Divine Mother in him, and before she knew, her head bowed and touched his holy feet. When we returned home, my wife told me of the inexplicable joy she had felt at the mere touch of Baba's feet. To atone for her previous utterances against Baba, my wife observed fast the following day. <laughs> In the evening, when we both went again for Baba's darshan, my wife presented him with the rosary of Rudraksha, mala of Rudraksha beads, <clears throat> and Baba blessed her with a mantra. I was most amazed at the overnight change in my wife and wondered over Baba's magnanimity. I thought he was like a mango tree which gives only sweet mango in returns for stones. <clears throat> Let me see where I can go. I, I can do a little more. A little more? A few days later, Baba went on a pilgrimage to South India. I had many wonderful experiences there after he wasn't with him. Uh, I had never practiced meditation before meeting Baba. I did not even know the me meaning of meditation or dhyan. Uh, he did japa, but he wasn't a meditator. But now no, no sooner did I sit for dhyan than I would go into that meditative state. My breathing gets almost suspended. I experience kumbhak even uh, when my eyes are wide open. Kumbhak is the suspension of breath. And these things would happen from the Shakti, the Kundalini energy working. Once I felt that my body below the neck had dissolved and only the head remained. Sometimes I experienced tremendous heat in the head. Times I used to get electric shocks in the body while trying to meditate and had to get up from my seat immediately. Many times I saw rays of light emanating from my body even as they shine through the pores of an earthen pot containing a lamp. So he's describing many different experiences. Similarly, I started seeing light behind every object, animate or inanimate. Then I saw my body made of only nerves, as it were, shining with light. I've often experienced the distinct throbbing of the chakras in my body. This is after Shakyapat. Once a mantra came out spontaneously from within, I mostly remained in a blank state of mind, in a tundra state. Then again, I had a feeling that I was being constantly protected, and sometimes I would experience as if someone were directing and guiding me, or that someone was preventing me from a downfall. Besides, I would get a frightful shock if I told a lie or did a wrong thing. <laughs> Another change that I noticed was that my habit of reading books vanished altogether. I no more felt like reading anything. I used to study the Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, and Ramayana over and over again, and I'd come to believe that certain portions of them 
were quite irrelevant. But now I felt convinced that these scriptures are complete and perfect, and that each verse in them is important and significant because their subtle meanings now became clear to me. I realized that I had not understood them before. Three months later, I visited Ganeshpuri. We'll leave that for another time. <laughs> I'll just read this much. As soon as I entered the ashram, my head started throbbing with vibrations in the Sahasra. Yeah. I felt intoxicated with unprecedented joy. One day I felt my tongue being effortlessly pulled inside in Ketri Mudra. The tongue is pulled back, uh, which is a Hatha Yoga process, but it happens spontaneously in some cases um, by, uh, by the Shakti. And then uh, he goes on to tell about his time in the ashram. And then later he says how he told Shankar different things in his reading. <laughs> so I thought that would be a nice Christmas present. There's nothing more divine than the grace of the guru, than the awakening that takes place. Because it's through that awakening that a person whose vision is mundane and is only involved in uh, getting and spending and material things and health issues and uh, financial issues and so on, suddenly becomes aware of a whole new arena and that actually the small life that we're leading is actually part of a much greater life and that greater life is attainable to us and not far from us and that we can contact that life and draw it into us. And it's already in fact in us. We can draw it out of us. Uh, and so this is uh, a great celebration. So Christmas is that to me. And I thought this was a beautiful uh, depiction of uh, that awakening. So we'll continue it sometime in the next couple of weeks when we meet again. Uh, meantime, let's meditate on that great Shakti that's within. That great power that is within, without a slightest doubt, within every one of us. No matter what strange tendencies we have, we might have a disposition to worry and to fear, to neurotic disposition. We might have a disposition to desire all kinds of things and want and want and get angry and get irritated. Uh, we might feel depressed and feel overwhelmed by an immense depression and feeling of powerlessness. No matter which of these tendencies we have, beneath all of that, the glorious self exists without the slightest doubt within all of us. And if we make a little effort to dig a little deeper, to quiet the mind, turn within, every one of us, without a single exception, can attain that. It just means making a, applying ourselves in, a, in an intelligent and and steady way to that task. Nothing is more worth doing. So let's do a little bit of that right now. We'll meditate on the inner self, on the inner power. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It's not part of any church, any religion, any political party, any creed, any, any uh, kind of uh, political system or social system or set of beliefs or anything else. It's 
one's very nature. And so let's meditate on that self for 10 minutes in honor of Jesus, the great being, and all the great beings. So once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguru Nath Maharaj Ki Jai. Satguru Jesus Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate for 10 minutes. 